and welcome to a very special bonus edition of White Wine Question Time, the podcast that usually asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week's episode is brought to you by H&M's new autumn collection, which is jam-packed full of cosy woolly knits, gilets and quilted pieces. Now, my guest today is a woman who I know would raise a glass with me come the evening, but not this time of day. It's 9.08 a.m., and I'm really excited to be talking to her over a strong coffee. I've been listening to her for a few years now on her brilliant podcast, The Power Hour, where she's interviewed the likes of Fern Cotton, AJ Adudu, and Dame Kelly Holmes, to name but a few, about what motivates them in a seminal hour that they dedicate to themselves every day to pursue their passions, their successes, and ultimately to kind of be their best selves. As well as hosting The Power Hour, she's an author, a mother to a 10-year-old son called Jude, uh, a regular TED Talk speaker, and has become something of an authority on wellness, self-improvement, and the power of just positive thinking, earning rave reviews from the likes of Vogue magazine, who've named her one of the new faces of wellness. She's also the Director of Innovation and Performance at the UK's leading fitness app, Fit, adding another string to a digital bow, and... I should mention she's run more marathons than I've got fingers. So let's dial her up. It's Adrienne Herbert. Wow. Okay. Honestly, I need to listen to that intro every day just to give me a little bit of a motivation and confidence boost myself. Thank you so much. Do you know what? So many of our guests say that. And I'm going to leave that bit in because I think it's really important sometimes to remind ourselves of all the achievements and the good bits. And if, actually, if my parting gift to any guest on White Wine Cooper Question Time could be anything, it would be, I'm just going to give you your intro on a loop. Uh, so when you're in a ditch, you can dig yourself out and hear how fabulous you are. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, hearing you list all the different things, it's no wonder I have to get up at 5.30 every day just to get a head start and manage to get, you know, through all the things that I'm trying to do. Uh, yeah, you are a woman of action. Uh, you're a doer. You're not a talker. You're a walker. Well, you walk while you talk, probably. Talk, talk me through your, your day already today. It's 9, 10 a.m. What have you done? Okay, I'll be honest, and I don't really want, you know, sometimes people go, oh, you're so annoying in the mornings. But I got up this morning, and the first thing I did was I came downstairs, and I did about 20 minutes of just moving, stretching, kind of a little bit of Pilates, a little bit of movement. It was nothing too strenuous, to be honest, but just a little bit of stretching. I then sat down with a blank sheet of paper and I did, it's not even a to-do list, it's just a brain dump. So I was like, okay, it's Friday, what have I got coming up today? Did a bit of a, a brain dump of all those things. Then I went out the front door and I literally did a power walk. I was listening to um, an audio book, got back, had a shower, um, did a couple of emails and prepared to talk to you. And it's 9, 10am. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're good. Well, you... you're good. And I, I like your brain dump. I really like that. I did, the, I did one yesterday because I felt overwhelmed. And I thought, am I overwhelmed because I'm at a really strange time in my life hormonally where literally don't know who I am from hour to hour? Or is it just life? And I wrote down everything I'd done that day. And I was like, that's, that's a fair amount of stuff on this list. You're quite within your rights to feel overwhelmed. I sort of reassured myself that I was just doing too much rather than unable to cope and yeah and absolutely I mean the brain dump I'll come back to that actually in a second but also I kind of rattled through you know oh I did some plates and I did this and I went out for a quick walk but to be honest all of those things are things that I did for me before 
I started to, you know, before I looked at my phone, mm. before I started to think about, okay, I've got to pick my son up today at, at quarter past three from school and we're going straight to swimming. So I need to have his swimming things. And I need to, we've all got things that we need to do throughout our day for other people, whether that's work commitments, children. And often I think people now more than ever, they open their eyes and they go straight into that day. They go straight into giving mode, doing mode, uh, giving your time, energy, focus and attention to other things and other people. Yeah. So when I say to people, you know, maybe some mornings I've gone up and gone straight out for a run or some mornings I will, you know, pick up a book and I'll just read for one hour before anything else. But the one thing that doesn't change no matter what I'm doing in that hour is that it's focused on me. It's not about giving to other people. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of women, especially, I don't want to, you know, exclude men from this conversation, but they feel like it's, it feels selfish or it feels self-indulgent. Oh, I couldn't possibly, you know, do 30 minutes of Pilates before the kids are awake or before I've, you know, done, fed the cat or done all these things for other people because it feels, we're not used to doing that. And so actually, you know, the power hour concept and the podcast and the book, you know, I could talk about it all day, but really the essence that I want people to understand is it's not about get up early to do more. It's not saying, you know, achieve more and just be this hyper productive, hyper achiever. It's actually saying what, regardless of what you want to do or what you want to, or how you want to do it, start reclaiming some time, start with yourself, because how can you give away, you know, the energy that you want or the, the, the advice to other people or to be a leader in your organization or to be a parent. If you can't give yourself one hour a day, trust me, the rest of the day, people are going to take, if you don't reclaim your time, people will just take it from you. Mm -hmm. And it's no wonder, you know, you go to bed exhausted, you wake up and you start the whole thing again. So I really want people to hear that of like, you deserve, it's not, it's not selfish. It's not self-indulgent. It is necessary and you deserve a power hour. Yeah, it's maintenance. It's self-care, isn't it? Although I, I know that, you know, the stats will tell you that predominantly women are multitaskers from the moment they, they get out of bed. So the average woman does 57 tasks a day. That's a lot. So to try and find an hour within that, you're quite right, is a challenge in itself. But if you don't, are you not surely going to ultimately end up running on fumes? And I think that's where a lot of us get to. Yeah, I agree. And of course, some people would say, well, if I'm doing so many things and if I'm um, feeling overwhelmed or feeling exhausted, you know, the last thing I want to do is set my alarm even earlier and get up earlier and do more things. Mm. And so again, that's why I kind of revisit this idea that if you had a blank sheet of paper and you said, and I asked you to write down a list of less and a list of more, what do you want less of in your life? What do you want more of in your life? You know, and these can be really simple things like I want less stress or I want less obligations or I want less bloating or I want more sleep or I want more freedom, time, creativity. You know, having a look at that as well can sometimes help you to reset actually how are you spending all of that time. As you said, if you're doing 57 things, what needs to come off that list? Because that is too many things, you know? Exactly. I mean, those, those 57 tasks included things like getting out of bed and opening the curtains and making the bed. That's a task. Mm. You know, um, running the kids to school. That's, as we all know, depending on, on what age and stage they're at, quite a task. Uh, and so on and so forth. But yeah, we're busy people and we have to find time to um, recharge. Because you would never, ever let your phone run so low why do we let ourselves it's crazy isn't it yeah absolutely now this special episode has been made possible by partnering with h&m to promote the launch of their new autumn collection and for me 
a new season, especially the autumn season, uh, feels like a time to renew. Kids are going back to school, new school year, almost kind of a new year for you, a time to refresh, to transform. And your podcast, The Power Hour, really celebrates transformation in that it asks its audience uh, to do one simple thing, to reclaim a single hour of their day that's just for them, that puts themselves and their well-being at the heart of it. But what I want to know is, what was the defining moment that inspired you to transform your own life and ultimately start the Power Hour? Mm, yeah, well, thanks for asking, Kate, because obviously anyone who, who follows my work now or who's ever met me will probably say that, you know, I'm very... Uh, optimistic I've always got a smile on my face got a lot of energy and so I think often people assume that that means you know everything's great everything's perfect that's why you're always so full of energy and you know you want to get up early and do so many things but actually you know like for many people change for me was born out of necessity and if I wind the clock back to must be six years ago now uh, then at that time uh, I was, had had a terrible year, to be honest. I'd had a terrible year. I felt terrible. I had low energy. I had low mood. I was fed up. And I was fed up of feeling fed up. And I'd been through uh, fertility treatments. I'd been through IVF treatment. And for anybody listening who's who's been through that treatment, then you'll know it is not fun. When people describe the emo emotional roller coaster, I'm like, the fact that the word roller coaster is in it makes it sound a little bit fun. IVF is not fun. It's incredibly difficult. And the only thing that got me through that process was, of course, the hope that, you know, you're going to have a baby at the end of it and that my son would have a sibling and that all of the, you know, the blood, sweat, tears, cost, all the things that it would be worth it. And, and unfortunately, you know, it wasn't the case. The IVF treatment worked and I was pregnant for a short time, but then I had a miscarriage and all of that hope and, and love and energy and joy went away. And I think after that, it kind of felt very much like I was back to square one. I was back to that feeling of like, feeling like I was at the bottom of a hill and just thinking, I don't have the energy to start that process again. I don't have the energy to put myself through that again. And, you know, obviously people don't know. And my son at the time was, I think he was in year one at school. And I remember people saying to me, you know, even on the school run, oh, when are you going to have another one? And, oh, you know, and you stand there thinking, please don't ask me that. Please don't ask me that. I know it's, it's very, it's very often very well intended, but when you're having that experience that you've just described, it's a needle to the heart, isn't it? It's like, oh, Ow. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, of course, a lot of his friends had, you know, little brothers, little sisters, or mm. there's a lot of mums at the school gate at that time with, with who were expecting. And even he would ask me, you know, where's my brother, you know, and, and, and when my sister-in-law was pregnant and I explained to him, oh, this is going to be your cousin. He was like, well, well when, when are you going to have a baby in your tummy for me? And so, you know, there's a lot of the, that time I just felt like I was constantly putting on a brave face, constantly, you know, whether it was for my son, whether it was for other people, Again, this idea of giving to others what they need in that moment instead of what I really needed. And so, and also my husband had been, my husband at the time had been very ill. So there was just so many things on my shoulders. And I think for so many of us, we just keep going. And so for me, why, you know, why the Power Hour started is because I was listening to a book on Audible and the book was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. It's a very old book. I think it was written in the in the 90s, 80s even. And I was listening to this book and... Please don't say that the 90s is very old because... 
<laughs> not very old, but I mean, it's not like a new book. You know, it's not like, oh, this book, I, brand new book out. It's, but you're right. Yeah. It is 30 odd years ago. You're yeah, quite right. Yeah, it's a 30-year-old book. And yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like you say, 90s doesn't sound old, but 30 years ago. So not a new release. And basically, it was talking about, you know, all these different people and how they have this time in the morning. And I'm sure we've all heard, you know, morning routines are so important, etc. And at the time, I didn't have one. I just used to wait until my son woke up and that was it so I started thinking well if I'm going to have any time before he wakes up it's going to be pretty early but I'm going to just you know get up before he does and I started running and again you know running is a huge part of my life now but it, it wasn't then but it was the only thing at the time that I could so you were a novice runner oh yeah absolutely absolutely no way yes it was it was one of those things where I thought okay what can I do that's free because I spent all my money on IVF so I'm getting money left what can I do that's free what can I do that I can kind of just go you know there's nothing even for example going to an exercise class or going to something where it has to be this time or that time running doesn't have any kind of uh, barriers you can literally just put on your shoes if you've got 20 minutes if you've got an hour you can just do whatever you want so and I also if I'm honest I felt like it, it was the only time in my day when I had solitude yeah. when I could actually be by myself because the rest of the time yeah especially when you've got a, a little one or work you're always with other people yeah and I'm an extroverted person so I make it so that I'm always with other people and actually being in solitude I didn't realize how much I needed that I didn't know how much I was craving solitude and just to be by myself which again you know it's not selfish to want solitude so so yes that's how my power hour and my running journey both kind of started at the same time and it, to say that it was transformational is is an understatement within a matter of you know weeks months I had a different life honestly Kate it, I had a different life that that hour getting up and saying okay what do I want to do going out on my own in that 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 time to run listening to different audiobooks, listening to different podcasts. I felt like I was learning so much information every morning for an hour before I did anything. I had more energy. I was I felt more creative. I felt like I was getting more confidence to say, actually, I'm gonna start my own podcast. Actually, I'm gonna go and um you know, I started writing for publications, I started training for races. I thought I've never done a five K, maybe I could do ten. I've never done a ten. Maybe I can do a half marathon. I started to really expand so many parts of my life that I never had before. And it really did start with that one hour in the morning. Do you think that's because it gave you the opportunity to repair, to heal, to replenish? Um yeah, I mean it is just I mean you say it's just sixty minutes to uh, certainly when you're at the stage you were with your son you're so time poor time is the one commodity none of us can kind of manufacture create um it you know we just have to manage it uh but i i get it i get that uh, certainly at that time of day i think there is something really beautiful about being out at, like just before the sun comes up so you watch the day appear absolutely and you're ahead of it absolutely and there's no one there's no one expecting anything from you in that time that's the other thing about that morning like you said there's it's quiet outside it's hopefully it's quiet inside in, in your home so even if you're not going out to do something if you're spending that time inside it's a different feeling there's no feeling of obligation there's no feeling of check my phone because nobody else is awake sending me whatsapps there's no hopefully no emails coming in there's no distractions yeah. and actually in the world right now it's very hard to find space with no distractions i'm easily distracted <laughs> Uh, for me, I find, I, I mean, I write a lot, but I write in the evenings because the ping of an email on your laptop is so distracting to me. Um, so it's, you're right. It's about shutting out the noise, right? It's about finding those moments of um, breathe. Because certainly for what you do for a living 
and in part for what I do for a living, it requires time to think. We have no time to think. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no, I call it in, in the book Power Hour, I talk about this concept of white space and there's no white space anymore. This space where there's nothing in your schedule, you, you're not rushing to do something. You're not, as you say, being entertained or engaged or, or looking or hearing stimulated. stimulated. Yeah, there's no white space. And so often people, because I should probably have caveated by saying, you know, it's not, it's not easy when you first make a change to say, okay, I'm going to do this morning. You know, I, I love it now. And I talk about it so enthusiastically, but people will say, well, I, I, as you said, you know, I write in the evening and I'm tired. I don't want to get up early. And so it's not easy, but it's, if you think about a priority list, if you think about in the evening, often people are, they are tired in the evening. It's like they're kind of putting themselves at the end of the priority and saying, you know what, whatever's left after I've given everything away to everybody else, whatever's left the tiny little bit, then I'll do something that I want to do like Pilates or reading or running or whatever. Mm. But if you can really start to flip that script and think actually, for me, I had to be really, you know, I'm quite a binary person when I come to making decisions. You said I'm a doer. And I kind of looked at my evenings and I was thinking, oh, you know, I couldn't possibly go to bed earlier because I'm doing this and this and this. Oh, you can. So I had to be, <laughs> yeah, I had to be really honest with myself. I was like, you're faffing about, you're looking on this screen. You might watch a little bit of that. You might, you know, scroll through Twitter. And I actually just had to be really real with myself and say okay what's your priorities what's the goal is staying up for 90 minutes every night faffing around or looking on instagram or watching tv is that taking you closer towards that goal simply yes or no and if it's not then you don't you either go to bed early and get up early and do the things you want to do or you just accept it's not that important to you yeah because you say that it's a goal but you're not willing to you know change an hour of your life to make it happen and again it's not an easy thing people you know want to hear that they want me to say you know it's fine just do it we do it your way but in reality i think if it's important to you anything that's important to you a relationship You'll find the time. a career you will give that time to yourself for sure but if, if it's not then that's okay as well maybe it's not the time right now but I think we all f have to figure out, certainly in the last 18 months where we've lived through the most disruptive time in probably modern living memory, I'll say. For me, I've had to figure out what parts of my day work best for me where. And I'm a bit like, yeah, so I, do, I have my own equivalent of the power. I just didn't have a name for it. And I exercise, right? I exercise and I try to not think while I exercise, which is actually a lie because actually all I do is think, but it's a really good way for me to sort out my in-tray in my head. Um, and then I have a really nice coffee afterwards and then I step into the day. So I'm doing that. Now, I'd never looked at it as time for me until um, I got COVID and previous to that until I broke, I broke my back a couple of years back and I couldn't exercise. And I started to understand that it's not something I do as part of, you know, because I have to or I should. I actually really enjoy it. That was quite a revelation to me. You might end up finding out that the stuff that you enjoy is actually more of a hobby than you'd realise. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I think sometimes when, sadly, when things are taken away or when there's a big change, like you said, the last 18 months, I think some of those changes that have come about for example people saying they miss their commute and they never thought they liked their commute they say oh you know <laughs> I didn't think I, I didn't think I liked sitting in traffic and listening to the radio or I didn't think I liked you know the hustle and bustle of the train but actually that's when I used to read a magazine and drink a coffee or that's when I used to yeah listen to a uh, the, the radio or a podcast so often I've been talking to people about you know their morning routines and I always say to them you know if you really miss that time and you want it Create it, you know, create a false commute, get up, get showered, get your stuff, go cycle around the block or walk around the block with your headphones, come back to your desk, 
take off your coat, open your laptop and start your day. Don't just go from your bed to your kitchen table, to your computer and just start working. Because then we all, we've all heard this. If you, if you do that, you're no longer working from home. You now live at work. Yeah. So you have to break it up. And actually, if you, yeah, you're right. Some of the things that the pandemic probably brought up for people was actually things that in their day that they didn't realize that they enjoyed. Yeah. Well, that certainly was the case for me, for sure. And I'm still obsessed with 10,000 steps a day and a workout. It feels like a lot, but actually the days that I don't do it, it feels like I've just not done enough. It's about the evolution of our lives and how our lifestyles change and what we need from ourselves and our days change with it. I wanted to go on to, to mine some of the information that you've kind of excavated from your many, many hours of recording the Power Hour. Now, we're recording this episode today in collaboration with H&M, who have some fantastic new pieces in the autumn collection that have been created with a little extra consideration for the planet. And there's definitely a power in that. We all want to feel good about the way we look. And you can really feel good when you know that you're shopping in a way that is showing a little love to our planet. And I wanted to talk about the significance uh, uh, that sits around how we feel about the way we look and ultimately present ourselves to the world. Now, vanity is often uh, perceived as something of a negative word. Um, it's, it's termed, I don't know, vacuous, shallow. It has very negative connotations. But how we feel about how we look plays a huge part in how we present ourselves to the world. So it is important. And you've interviewed over 100 people on your show about their morning routine, uh, gaining an insight into what they do before they step out into the wider world each day to get their game face on mm. and how that enables them to be more empowered. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I really like that actually, because you're right. I think when people say, oh, you know, you've got to look the part or you've got to show up and, and you're right, there's kind of a negative connotation around, well, you know, why do we feel, especially again, for women that you have to look a certain way. But I think the, the word that's important there, what you said is, is empowered because for me, whenever I think about the word empowerment, people, you know, use that word a lot now and they'll just say, you know, empower this, empower that. And so I really kind of interrogate, I think deeply about a lot of things, Kate. <laughs> and so I think about that word and I'm like, what does it actually mean to me? You know, it can mean different things to everybody. So the word empowerment to me, it has an, it has to have an element of choice. So for example, if it's, if it's the freedom, if it's, you know, it's the choice part. So freedom plus choice for me, Mm -hmm. equals empowerment so that could be the choice to change your career change your relationship change your hair change your dress the, the empowered feeling is that i chose this and actually when you're describing then about how can we prepare you know ourselves in and people in the power hour before they have to deliver what they have to deliver to the world it's interesting because everyone's is obviously different. So whether that is taking a cold shower, whether that is um, for some people putting on their makeup, moisturizing, doing their hair in a certain way, choosing what they want to wear. It's almost like, you know, when you've got, if you've got young children and, and how they love to do fancy dress and they love to dress up. And when you put on a certain clothes, you, they become that character. And it doesn't even have to be clothes sometimes. It can just be a prop and suddenly, you know, it's a sword or another prop means that you're, uh, you're the bad guy. Or, you know, you can just, you can feel the embodiment of you know fancy dress and through play and in a way you know we all do that so I do feel like in a way it's not just about vanity of saying you want to look good or you want to feel good but it's actually about saying 
you want to feel empowered. And again, perception, people say, oh, shouldn't care what other people think. Well, we don't live in isolation. We live with others and actually perception matters. And I think it's really nice to, like I said, be empowered to say, this is how I show up because this is how I'm choosing to 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 present myself and and the work that I do and what I'm about you know again we all have you think back to being a teenager when you're suddenly like you want to show this kind of something about yourself that's different or or whatever and you start to experiment and wear like terrible things like I think I have a I think the worst thing I probably ever bought and wore were these like huge like spice shoe fluffy they were literally covered in pink fur and i remember wearing them oh the buffalo yeah they were like buffalo trainers but covered in fur like yeti versions and i just remember thinking like oh my gosh this is awesome you know i am literally a spice girl i'm gonna wear these every day (laughs) obviously looking at a picture now it's like okay they maybe were a little bit uh a little bit out there but i think it's a nice way to think actually and to go like you said we've all been in our homes we've all been stuck indoors actually now going out it's like it's an event in itself like just to feel like oh wow i'm gonna put on this bright red jumper and step out the door i think it's a really nice time actually to just yeah think about how you want to feel as well as how you want to look and kind of yeah make sure the two align absolutely and i think sometimes as well you know when you talk about you have to stand up and do talks and you've done your ted talks i know that you you work with big organizations and they're kind of senior leaders sometimes you might have a day where you're not feeling 100%, where you have your own anxieties and your own self-doubt. So actually, a great dress or a pair of heels or a trusted blazer that you can hide under but still feel good in, sometimes that stuff is important and it's it's often dismissed as being vacuous or not that important, much like vanity. But actually, vanity is really important. It's really important that we care about how we feel because how we look informs how we feel. Yeah, and you know what, Kate, when you're just talking then about having something, I like to think of it, I've, I've heard a uh, brilliant author, I think it's Todd Herman, talk about this, with having like a totem or something that almost gives you, as you said, if you're not feeling 100% or you're not feeling yourself, you have like this totem. And as I described, it could be anything from a pair of glasses to, uh, you know, a, a red scarf, something that yeah prop almost which no one else needs to know what it means when you put on those glasses or when you put on that scarf or that dress but for you again it can be this embodiment of okay this is the best version of myself and actually if when you get home afterwards you need to take it off and you need to have a bath and and call a friend and say oh i'm feeling terrible you can do that as well yeah and also you can find ways within that to be kinder to yourself at the moment i'm on um various different medications and it's making my weight fluctuate massively through no and I have no control over that right now so it doesn't matter how much I exercise how mindful I am with my food I just have to let it do its thing and live with the side effects whilst it balances out very hard to do when you are madly impatient so some of my clothes don't fit right now so what I've done is take them out of my eyesight that eye line and just replace them with all the clothes that make me feel good that I'm into right now and accept that like the seasons this will change it's momentary it's temporary and you know be nice be kind because otherwise you know to to open your wardrobe doors and find it full of clothes that no longer quite fit is really oh you know you have to have a word with yourself, even the even when you're being super mindful and going, it doesn't matter. It's how you feel, not how you look. All of that stuff sometimes actually does matter. It does matter how you look, how you look 
can also push back massively on how you feel. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely that sentiment of taking a moment to be kind to yourself. And I really like what you said about seasonality in everything in life, of course, with the weather, but also in our life, there's ebbs and flows. There always will be. And even, you know, good and bad, even when you're in the best moment ever, it doesn't last forever. And so when something's really difficult, we feel like it will last forever. But knowing that there's those ebbs and flows and that this is a season it will change and absolutely you know you're right we could go of course it's a complex thing you know could go a lot a layer deeper around you know why we feel okay that when i don't look this way anymore especially again for women when it's like i used to look like this or i used to feel like that there's so much tied up in that i think as well and so accepting that these new seasons and these new chapters of your life is inevitable and also is a gift because of course it doesn't feel like that sometimes but you're not going to look like, for example, someone who's, you know, you're not going to look like you did when you were 19 because you're not 19. And actually, I think about some of the most amazing, inspiring women who I look to. Um, and maybe some of them didn't come into their own, into their power, into their confidence and, and write yeah. that best-selling book or, or lead that until they were in their 40s or their 50s or their 60s. So, yeah, I like to think that, you know, there are seasons, there are ebbs and flows and, and maybe the best season for you is yet to come. So just be ready to embrace that. You just... Exactly that, you know, and, and actually, you know, when you were talking about going through IVF and um, how your body and your mind were, you know, taken over by that process, uh, I guess what I'm going through right now in perimenopause is much the same. And HRT is, is, thank God it's there, you know, but we all have to find the right balance for us. And I'm in the midst, it's really important to talk about this stuff. I'm in the midst of finding the right mix for me. And it's been a year long journey and I'm not quite there yet. So in this, the course of this year, I've been so up and down, not just physically, but most importantly, emotionally. And it has felt like not just a new chapter, almost like um, a new book right. <laughs> in my life, yeah. because I'm so off kilter. But equally, then you just have to look up and talk to other people around you who are through that process that are maybe, you know, a couple of years ahead of me. And take and go, what are the values? What are the lessons in, in this? There's got to be value in it. Surely Mother Nature can't be this unkind. <laughs> and there is, there's massive takeouts. And it's learning to sit with that really hard when you're so 100 miles an hour, much like you, you know, I wouldn't just start running. I'd run all the marathons. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit extreme. Yeah. So I'm, I've got to be less extreme about my expectations at this stage of my seasonality 100% and it's you know and it's always easy to look back on things in hindsight and reflect and like you said what are the lessons there but when you're in something that is shit am I allowed to say shit you can say yeah. shit because it is shit <laughs> when you're in something that is shit and someone says to you oh you know look on the bright side you just that's not useful it's not helpful you don't want to hear that and actually again even with you know going back to that time when I had IVF for people that actually just said to me you know what Adrienne you're doing great because this is really shit that was so much better than people that were like well at least you've got one child at least you've got Jude you know look on the bright and it's like that's not helpful in that moment when you've just had you know either treatment or miscarriage or whatever so yeah i do think that you're right when you're in it it's hard and just accept and acknowledge this is hard i'm not trying to be rosy i don't want this toxic positivity like it's hard but you will we can all do hard things whether we like it or not we, we can and we must so you will you know find a way and navigate and sustain and get through that but in the moment don't force yourself to kind of yeah like you say be too hard on yourself because some things are just a bit shit yeah yeah and also you know when you need it just reach out to somebody that gets you and actually just that alone 
is 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 enough to kind of get you back on your feet sometimes you know in terms of some of those hacks that you got from other people that you've interviewed on the power hour were there any revelations in other people's morning routines that you've kind of gone, oh, I'm going to have a little bit of that for me, thanks? Yeah, well, you know, when I first started the show, I used to try other people's. So I'd say, oh, OK, like, I'm going to try that out for a week and see how it goes. And I think the the main thing now after probably 150 uh, different interviews is that everyone's is different, but they all tend to have one. Everyone has some kind of intentionality. Some people say, oh, you know, I prepped the night before. Some people will say absolutely no media first thing in the morning so no news no social media they kind of protect you know whatever they want to think and feel so that kind of came up a lot especially during the pandemic cold water therapy is a big one anyone who's done it basically it becomes an advocate for it and they're like adrian you have to start your day with a cold shower and i'm like really do i want to do that i'm mixed race i've got jamaican blood i don't want to be cold and then people are like they talk about they talk about their health benefits and the mental health benefits and all of you know there's so much science supporting that actually about how it can improve our immune systems boost our lymphatic system and our circulation and give us a glow in the morning and yeah and again mentally as well stepping into cold water and kind of that abrupt feeling of like takes your breath away and it, it kind of really forces you Sharp. to be in the moment to be present yeah it clears the mind you're thinking about how you clears feel and how <laughs> yeah for better or for worse it forces you to have this real moment of presence and being right there in that moment so that's come up a lot i've tried it many times i'm not have gonna... you done cryotherapy yet have you tried I've that i've done cryotherapy as well so yeah a lot of my friends are certainly my friends that are perimenopausal finding huge um benefits to cryotherapy i've not been brave enough yet okay honestly yeah i mean they're right you should definitely give it a try i'm someone who says you know like try everything and see what works for you but i think you know they're right i think when it comes to uh, cryotherapy which for anyone listening who, who doesn't know essentially you're s stepping into a very very cold chamber it can be up to minus minus 40 minus 50 you don't wear many clothes when you go in you you know you can just wear like a little pair of yeah bikini or just like a little pair of shorts and you go in you put um gloves on over your hands and feet and you stay in there for 60 seconds 90 seconds whatever the the treatment is and yeah it really it kind of boosts your circulation so obviously of course you know the blood vessels contract and you kind of you know um empties the the muscles of any um lactic acid buildup if you've been exercising also it can it can shift your your endocratic system so this is everything that regulates appetite and hormones so there's a lot that happens when we feel cold and actually a lot of the the evidence and the research around it is that we used to feel a lot more change in temperature because we used to you know didn't have central heating or we didn't have all of the things we have now well it looks like we might not this year either <laughs> oh my gosh i know well here we go we're gonna we're gonna be forced to do uh, cryotherapy let's find the upside in a fuel crisis upside <laughs> is that we're gonna have glowing skin but yes we, we 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 do as human beings you know we have evolved and we we we've kind of eliminated a lot of discomfort from our, from our lives one thing being cold but there's a lot of a uh, huge list of health benefits so if you're interested in finding out about that then you know of course do your own research but whether it's cold showers cryotherapy um sea swimming you know going out in the morning straight into the sea in margate which is what some people do to get their cold therapy uh it was definitely one that was recommended to me i tried and tested it don't do it every day but every now and again i just turn the shower to cold good for you so we just all got to find out this so the cold water 
is, is definitely, and I bet that came up a lot actually with the 150 plus people you've interviewed. Yeah, it did. It came up with a variety of people from Olympic athletes to health professionals, psychologists. So there's a lot of big fans of cold water therapy out there. What were the other kind of commonalities in terms of, you know, um, religious morning activities that have, have definitely helped your contributors? Movement. Movement and exercise, whether some people saying that they get up, they, they have to sweat, they have to do something that's really high intensity, like boxing or lifting and just saying how they feel so strong and in that moment to feel like, you know what, I'm going to, yeah, sweat, lift something heavy. A lot of women saying that, again, they step into this kind of alter ego that's like, I am strong. I can lift this. I can lift myself. I can do anything. Others saying that the movement for them in the morning has to be has to be calming it has to be something that is still and you know doing something like yoga where you're really sitting in one place one pose and saying mm. i can endure i can stay here i can be calm depending on again what you need what do you want how do you want to feel picking a movement that helps you so for me with running my thing as of course of as, as someone who's always on the go and who's looking forwards towards goals it makes sense that for me to be out running in the morning it's that feeling of forward motion i am progressing i'm moving towards something and away from something else yeah, you're getting yeah, somewhere I'm, yeah. yeah progressing so movement comes up for so many people that always say well whichever type it is that it's a non-negotiable they're like if i haven't done movement in the morning i can't start my day yeah i think i think i fall into that category now Okay, ready for my final question? Yes, absolutely. You're a huge advocate of women supporting women and you've been a, a big part and a driver in some cases of a number of community initiatives uh, where you offer up mentoring, uh, you connect people, you grow networks. Um, there was one that you did where you connected women and men in the freelance community so that they could share, help, and empower one another. So I wondered, can you think of a seminal moment in your own life when your network have shown up for you just when you needed it most? Yeah, okay, great. Well, yeah, so the Get to Know Initiative, which was a few years ago, as you described, it really was about bringing women together, connecting freelancers, creatives, entrepreneurs, wannabe entrepreneurs, kind of myself and a lot of my peers were in that same category. You know, now I think they're called, you know, multi-hyphenates or just this idea that actually, you know, you want to create your own thing, whether that's freelance makeup artist dj podcaster whatever it was or all actually, of them you could do all of them that's the, the yeah. multi-hyphen generation right it's like we're, we're doing more than one thing yeah absolutely so what i found and what a lot of my peers and people i was talking to was like actually when you are doing your own thing it's not the same as necessarily being in, in an organization or being in a structure where there's there's you know a clear path and there's a bit of support and there's all these things so yeah. I, I, you know you need a network whether that's just for moral support and encouragement and guidance or whether that's for practical you know practical stuff like how much do you charge for this what should i be charging or could you introduce me to to this person because i don't have a clue about i don't know vat real practical stuff and and we just felt like the more we can share that knowledge, the more we can kind of, you know, work and collaborate and do all these things and meet fun, like-minded people, the, the better. And actually, I say this a lot, actually, especially in more recent work that I do, is that no matter who you are, and again, as you mentioned, I work with some very high-performing people, no matter who they are, 
everybody has a team and everyone has a coach and everyone has a support and like whether you're you know a Wimbledon champion or whether you're a business CEO or whether you're an author nothing happens by itself nobody just writes a book and then it becomes a bestseller without an editor and a publisher and a team like everyone has a team and and whether you call it a network whether you call it a team whether you call it whatever your squad everyone has it no matter who that person is so I think we all need it and the, the sooner we can start to build one of our own, you know, build your network, your tribe of people, whether it's people that are in the same industry as you, whether it's mentors, mentees, younger people, older people, the more of that you can have, it will not only benefit you in the work that you want to do, but it will be beneficial to others. And everybody, I think it's human nature to enjoy doing things in service of others. So it's not just about, that's why I say the, the networking of what you can take, it's what can you give? Who can you say, actually, you know what, when I was in your shoes, maybe it was maybe that maybe you're just you don't have to be like someone at the start of the ladder and you're at the top maybe you're just 10 steps ahead but you turn back and say you know what when i was in your shoes it was really helpful when this this and this and they're like thank you so much and to be honest the amount of people that have done that for me kate when i first started the the power hour podcast you know now it has millions of downloads and all these guests but if the first people i asked hadn't said yes and given me an hour of their time i wouldn't have the show I wouldn't have been able to start and to build so I always think about that when people reach out to me and they say oh Adrienne could I ask your opinion of this or could you come and you know maybe speak at this thing or I'm always the first thing is if you can help even if it's just five minutes if you can't make the time or you can't do the event or you can't can you just send a five minute voice note can you do something because it will it will be in benefit and service to others and then in turn people will do the same for you and yeah and on and on and on so yeah now the mentoring that I do is is with a charity a hackney based charity and it's working directly with young people so it's exactly that same thing really of saying okay I get to learn all these wonderful things I get to meet all these wonderful people and for these young people who don't have those opportunities or those conversations how can I just disseminate a little bit of it and you know just spark give them that little seed or that little spark of inspiration so that they can hopefully go on and achieve whatever it is that they want to do yeah, you're right. Even simple things like an email intro to somebody, just that in itself has value for somebody and it takes a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would be the most important time that a network has shown up for you and enabled you to, to build and, and thrive? Mm, okay, that's a great question. Yeah, let me think about it. Actually, I'll tell you when it was. It was, so after I had the, the treatment and after that year, and like I said, I've changed my life and I started the power hour and I started to run and I got the opportunity to run the London marathon. And as I said, I wasn't a runner. I'd never run more than an hour. So the thought of taking on a marathon was just really overwhelming, but me being me, yes, I'll do it. Of course I'll do it. And then had to figure out, okay, wow, this is, this is serious. And so on the day of the marathon, it certainly wasn't, you know, this is not a movie where I just ran the marathon and it was amazing. That marathon was tougher than I thought it was going to be. I think after having that year, you know, I was probably, my body was weak. I look back as a video actually of it and I look back in my little body, I was weak and I was probably low in iron and I was emotionally tired, as I said. So getting through that 26.2 miles was so hard and so many people came out they said oh Adrian's running the marathon I had people at mile three I had friends at mile six I had people at mile ten I had my brother who was going on the tube between different stops so I got to see him three different times Aww. you know I had friends there with you know of course the marathon you know the banner I had so many and I remember actually there was times when I was literally 
felt like I was dragging myself. It's like mile 22. If anyone's ever been and watched the London Marathon, mile 22, it looks like a war zone. It's people just, you know, dragging themselves forwards. <laughs> you know, there's bleeding nipples, bleeding toes, people just looking green. And I just was looking around thinking like, oh, I need to see someone. And I saw my sister like limped over to her and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And, and she was just like, she said to me, Adrienne, just stop just stop you don't have to finish it you don't have and I was like that's not what you're supposed to say you're supposed to say keep going no but what she did was she was just I think she was never seen me like that she's always seen me you know I can do it and happy and I was just broken and she was like just just stop now and I just remember seeing her face and and then thinking you know what I, I can I can do it I'm nearly there I was like and as soon as she said it it was almost like that's not an option. I'm never, of course, I'm not going to stop. I've got to get to the end. So yeah, I think the, the day that people really helped me was the, the first ever marathon and just getting to the end and, and feeling like, I don't even know how I got to the finish line, if I'm honest, but there's so many people there. And as soon as you cross the line, suddenly all that aches and pains and stuff goes away and you're just like, I ran a marathon. Isn't that great? Wow. Well, congratulations. And it's not the, it's not the last marathon you've run either, is it? You've done a few now. No, that was the first. And I said, I said, I think that day I probably said I'd never do it again. But um, yeah, that did change. But isn't that, it's really symbolic, isn't it? That, you know, when you think about it, you know, you're running 26.2 miles. And along the way, along that route, all these different people show up for you. That's kind of life, isn't it? You just hope that across the stages of your life, as you're running your way through it, especially when you get to 22 miles and you're kind of on your knees, someone's going to be there to help lift you. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really, I like that. And actually, I'll be honest, at mile 23, there was no one. And suddenly you're back on your own and you're like, oh, it's back to you. It's back to you to pull yourself through. But you're right. Having but that those... is life, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. It really is. Wow. Um, thank you so much for talking to me today. Have you enjoyed your white wine question time without the wine? Okay. I've loved white wine question time without the wine. And actually, just a fun fact for you, I don't really drink white wine, but I drink red. And so if this had been in the evening, Good. it would have been a red wine question time. But as it's, as it's 10 a.m., yeah, no wine for us, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But if we, get to, if we get to connect, hopefully in the real world, then we can share some wine. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. Um, and for anybody that's, that's impressed by what they've heard today um they can head over and listen and follow and subscribe the power hour which is where you get all your good podcasts oh thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of white one question time brought to you in partnership with h&m's autumn collection and if you're inspired for a wardrobe refresh and i know i am uh, then make sure you check out h&m's new autumn collection which is available in selected stores and online at hm.com that's hm with no and Com. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Gabriella Colasurdo, uh, Richard Hatherall, and Libby Knowles for Yahoo UK. Our music is provided by Andy Bell. We'll be back on Friday with more chat. Until then, take.